Hello, and welcome to a Thursday evening edition of Dating Kinky Presents. It's the first Thursday of February. Are we in February already? We, we are. Uh, and that means we are back with the uh, wonderful Vir Koto for another edition of Keeping Secrets, uh, looking after our kink privacy and and each other's. Uh, it's a collective effort. And, uh, you know, Veer has another uh, wonderful presentation for us lined up here. So I will let him get straight to it. Uh, Veer, take it away. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Uh, welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Veer Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dating Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps that you can take to protect yourself and your community. We give you the information and tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. If you'd like to ask a question, you're invited to join the event live, like all the wonderful people that are listening to me right now are doing on the first Thursday of the month. If you do ask a question in chat, uh, please do be sure to indicate if you'd like Ryan not to mention your name so that um, during the recording, uh, it doesn't get picked up. So let's get started with securing your accounts. I am your host, uh, as I said, Veer Koto. I'm a geek, I'm a kinkster, and a privacy advocate. You can check out my website at veerkoto.com. You can email me directly at veer at veerkoto.com, or I'm on FetLife as Veer Koto, all one word. The opinions expressed in this series are my own. Your mileage may vary. Consult your doctor if after taking my advice, you have an erection that lasts more than four hours so I always like to start with the big question, which is why? And to ask and to answer that question of why, let's focus on hacking and accounts. In 2020, there were 4,000 confirmed data breaches and just over half of them were the result uh, of some kind of computer intrusion, including phishing and malware. Uh, for the user's first line of defense passwords, it was found on average each of us must keep 90 accounts. And most of the time we do reuse passwords and we'll get into why that's a problem. And lastly, 1.2 million Microsoft accounts alone were compromised and none of which used two-factor authentication, which is again, another topic uh, we'll cover later on in this webinar. When we say an account was hacked, what exactly do we mean by that? I'm gonna say that there are roughly two kinds of ways that a hack can happen, um, either by a mistake by the company or by, or you know, the company or site owner or by the account owner. A company, would, a company failure would be, for example, if there was a data leak and all of the account information was compromised. We often hear about big data leaks online. This is due to a security failure on someone else's side or sometimes the act of an insider within the organization, such as a disgruntled comprom or compromised employee. The other way this happens is that the account owner, which would be me or you or someone else, does something that makes our accounts vulnerable. Uh, for example, by using a bad password, reusing passwords that we've used on other sites, or succumbing to a phishing attack. And sometimes it's a little bit of both such as when a company is leaked and they happen to store all their passwords in the clear, and then you reuse that same password on more than one website. So when we talk about phishing, what is phishing? Phishing is a term 
used for automated techniques that trick people into giving up information about themselves. Usually these come in the form of emails telling you that you need to log into your bank or some other website for some strange reason. Despite the fact that phishing is so well known as a problem, it still accounts for about a third of online account attacks. With so many victims of phishing, it's important to, for us to go over some simple steps that you can do to protect yourself from a scam uh, email or a scam phone call. If you get an email from someone um, from somewhere claiming to be your bank or your school or something or your work, before clicking on the link, look at the URL. Um, you know, you can usually hover over it to see what the, where that link will take you. Just look if it looks funny. For example, if there are too many L's in the word PayPal or something similar. And if you do click on it, check out the address bar on the top of your browser to see what it says. If it's asking you to install or run an application, never ever accept or run that program. And even safer than going to clicking on the link is going to the website itself. So if, if it says it's from your bank, just go to your bank's website and log in directly from the way you would normally log into your bank. Don't click on the link. See if there's a message on that website for you. Or if you really have a question, just give them a call. And uh, most of the time, your bank, for example, will be able to tell you if there's an alert on your account. If you do click on the email, sometimes your browser will alert you that the website is suspicious. Uh, I strongly recommend you heed those warnings. And um, you know, we're not going to go into some of the deeper, th the deeper ways that um, scammers can use. But I will say that scammers have really begun using much more sophisticated techniques uh, when looking for victims. So compartmentalizing. Our best tool in keeping our account secure is compartmentalization, which is a topic that we have covered uh, in the past and has become something of a, a theme in, in this series. And compartmentalizing is just limiting information between parties that need to know it. And that's pretty easy to understand. Um, the less that a website or an app or a service knows about you, the less information about you that they can link. And there, so for example, if there are optional fields when you sign up to an account, don't fill them in. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, while sharing your age probably makes sense for a dating website like Dating Kinky, um, if a site that sells clip art asks you for your age, you probably don't, they don't probably don't need that information. So just decline, you know. Um, usually when we talk about compartmentalization, it's about separating our kink life from our vanilla life. But in this case, we also want to separate, separate out each of our accounts from one another, whether they're kink accounts or vanilla accounts. And what that means is that we want to be sure that our credentials, which is a fancy way of saying, usually it's our username and password are not shared between accounts or they're not the same. So you can think of that a bit like having uh, two locks and you probably don't want to have two locks for different places that use the same key because if someone were to get that key like to your storage locker you know maybe the one that you use at work that key probably shouldn't be the same lock or the same key that you use to enter your home and the first and most important step is going to be not to reuse passwords ever but we'll we'll talk about uh, how we're going to deal with passwords in a bit.
But for now, let's come up with a grand plan. So our plan is going to be to start with password management. Um, we're going to talk about using a password manager. Then we'll talk about how to how to migrate your accounts to that password manager one account at a time. Then we'll talk about how to create memorable passwords for things that we can't use the password manager for. And lastly, we'll talk about two-factor authentication. And that is like the, the best of the best that you can do right now in terms of securing your accounts. So let's start with password managers. Password manager is one of, if possibly the most sensitive piece of software that you can choose. It's literally holding all of your secrets. And so you want the one that you choose to be good and safe. Online password managers are particularly vulnerable because they're large targets. Offline password managers are less vulnerable because they're only attackable on the device. So say like, for example, if it's on your computer, it's on your computer. But it should be noted that if an attacker has access to your computer or your phone or wherever else you have your password files, then almost any password manager is vulnerable. Another common question is if you should run your own password manager or you, you know, for example, if you're, if you can self host it or uh, running uh, using an offline password manager, if you should do it yourself. My opinion is that if you're technical and you can run it yourself, then you should. Uh, and we'll go into a little bit about that later on in the webinar. So let's start with some <laughs> password managers I don't recommend. Um, I'm often asked what kind of password managers people should use or what kind of software generally people should use, especially since uh, I've started doing this series. And I'm really often very hesitant to make recommendations. Um, but in this case, the topic is so sensitive and so important that I'm kind of throwing that out the window and I'm going to name some products and services that I like and some that I don't like. So some of the most popular password managers out there, they're, these are all online password managers, Dashlane, RoboLane, LastPass, and OneLogin. Um, they're all fairly well-known. They're big, they're, big, uh, they're big guys, but they all have a history of break-ins, leaks, or vulnerabilities. And I know these are the big companies. These are the ones that have the ads all over the internet, the internet. But I see your secrets, you, the wonderful participant or listener, as too important to take the kind of risks that these password managers um, have. So I'm going to recommend some different ones. So what do I think the best word password managers uh, are out there? I'm going to dive into my favorites, but I don't want to tease you too much. So I'm just going to tell you it's Firefox, Lockwise. KeePass, XC, Bitwarden, and Passbolt. And now let's let's look into each of them. So password lockwise. One of the, the best password managers is probably one that you already have on your computer in the form of Firefox lockwise. And that is built into every Firefox browser. But it's also available as a standalone application on Android and iOS. Um, Firefox is open source. If you're technical, you can run the back, uh, the back end yourself. If you don't want to run the, your own background or you're not technical, don't worry. Mozilla will do it for you. Uh, Mozilla is a nonprofit entity and it's 
well-funded and has a very good reputation. It's already pre uh, Firefox is already pre-configured their browser to use their backend and they maintain the site and they also maintain your privacy. Some downsides to Firefox uh, lockwise is that it only handles passwords. It doesn't handle other secrets that you might want to store. It also doesn't integrate with other browsers. Uh, it doesn't also, it also doesn't integrate with any kind of additional authentication hardware. And we'll talk about authentication hardware later on in the webinar. Um, and so I'm going to say that if you do nothing else, Firefox is a great option, at least to start with. Um, and you can start there and maybe get a little bit um, more secure as you go on. But it's a great, it's a great starting place. So next up is KeePass XC. KeePass XC is another open source password manager. It's very easy to install. It has plugins for Firefox and Chrome and has compatible iOS and Android apps. KeePass supports passwords. Uh, it has a handy password generator built in, lets you store arbitrary information in it. So you could store um, other kinds of secrets that you might want to put in there. Um, for example, if you if you get asked, uh, you know, secret questions for authentication, you can stick your questions and answers right into your password manager. Um, and it also has support for hardware keys, which we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about hardware tokens a little bit later on the webinar. Uh, KeePass XC is an offline password manager, which means that it doesn't have a server backend um, to sync your password database. You're going to need some kind of additional application. So that would be something like Nextcloud, SyncThing, or Dropbox. Um, and that will, your synchronized passwords will also sort of act as your backup, right? Because it's not on the cloud, quote unquote, you're going to need to think about how you want to back your, your uh, password file up. The iOS and Android apps for KeePass XE are not written by the same team that makes the desktop app. And while that hasn't been an issue, there is a possibility that a bug may creep up in one, in one version, and it, it won't be fixed as quickly in the others. Um, KeePass XE is what I use personally for my password manager on a daily basis. I uh, use it many, many times a day. So it's an application that I know really well. And in my own personal setup, I use a Nextcloud server with end-to-end -end file encryption, which is, uh, which is used on top of the fact that the KeePass database is already encrypted. So this is a solution that I'm not sure if I would recommend to everyone, but it is the solution that I use every day. Uh, Bitwarden. Bitwarden is probably the best all around password manager out there. And if I had to choose only one password manager to recommend to everyone, it would be this one. Bitwarden has a very nice, very clean web-based user interface. It integrates with multiple browsers. It can store multiple types of secrets, just like KeePass XC. Its mobile apps are written by the same team as Bitwarden. And uh, it's, it's, just a, it's just a great um, password manager. A standout feature of Bitwarden is that it supports teams, meaning you can share your passwords securely with multiple people on a team without sharing all of them. And so, for example, um, this is great for work. It's also great for um, sharing um, accounts with your partner or partners, right, where you might want them to be able to log in as you or log in on your behalf on some things, but not necessarily everything. Uh, Bitwarden has a hostable service with a... Um, 
very simple and reasonable pricing model, including it's actually just free for individuals and small organizations. So you can just go ahead and use Bitwarden right now if you're an individual for free and you don't have to pay anything. If you're a small organization, same thing. You can also optionally self-host the thing, which is great. It's open source. You can self-host it. Um, another, another great feature of Bitwarden is that it supports two-factor authentication mechanisms. Um, and we'll talk about two-factor in a bit. Um, but that includes email, uh, Google Authenticator, or FIDO keys. So you might be asking why, now that I've talked up Bitwarden, I don't use it myself. Um, the answer is, is basically um, uh, that I've just been using KeePass XC for several years and I haven't yet needed to switch. But if I did, Bitwarden is what I would, I would choose to go to. And last one is uh, Passbolt. Passbolt uh, is an application de designed specifically around teams of people in a workplace, such as an IT department. Because of that, it has a lot of features that are very important when you're managing sensitive information, such as detailed activity logs, integration with authentication backends, such as LDAP, um, as well as strong two-factor authentication, um, which is the same as Bitwarden. It's not as easy to use as Bitwarden. It doesn't have a mobile app component, um, although they say that mobile apps are on their roadmap. Their aim, Passbolt's aim is really to provide tools for the workplace. And I would strongly consider Passbolt for a work environment, but for my home use, I would likely choose something else. So with that, you've got the tools you need to choose a password manager. <laughs> and now you need to move all those accounts. Um, migrating to a password manager is a slow job. Um, there are shortcuts you can take if you're migrating from one to the other, but if you're starting from scratch, it can take a while. Um, my personal process for switching uh, to a password manager took several months. And what I did was once a week, I would set aside time in the evening and I would move 10 or 20 accounts at a time. It is tedious, it is slow, and it's a little bit mind numbing. But once it's done, it is so much easier to maintain. Um, the job of migrating can be overwhelming, so I'm going to offer you a guide in how to migrate your accounts without losing your mind. And my rule is to first migrate your, your communication accounts. And what I mean by communication accounts are things that you use to communicate with people. So that would be your email accounts, your social media accounts, and... If you're doing chat, for example, Discord or other kind of chat accounts. So those, I think, are the first and most, because they're the most sensitive, they're the, they're the first ones you should do. The next thing I recommend is migrating your financial and sensitive data accounts. So this would be things like your bank, if you're in school, your school, uh, investment accounts, any kind of medical accounts, if you have an account with your doctor or hospital, um, those are next. And then I'm going to suggest that you head, head over to Have I Been Pwned? A, it's a website where you can look up your personal information to see if it's been leaked. And if so, from which account it's been leaked. Um, this tool is also uh, built into uh, Firefox. So, um, uh, you know, you could just use the Firefox password manager and it will tell you which accounts have been uh, compromised. 
And really, you know, it, I wish there was another uh, trick, but it's for me, it was just a matter of setting this so, setting aside time to migrate accounts. And then every once in a while I would find, oh, this account hasn't been migrated yet. And I'd have to reset the password and uh, just, just keep going until you're all done. So <laughs> now that you've done that, um, what's next? Well, next uh, you'd think, well, I've got a password manager. It can choose good passwords for me. But um, how, do, you know, how do you choose a, a good password? Well, once you have a password manager, you can push your passwords to be really, really good passwords, um, which means that they don't have to be memorizable to you at all. Um, as long as this, the website or application that you're using supports them, you can choose passwords that are incredibly long, 64 characters or more, have special characters, maybe things that are hard to type, you know, ampersands and exclamations and semicolons and all of that. And um, that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be making your passwords as long as the site will allow with as many types of characters as you can, because you don't have to remember them. <laughs> The password manager is going to handle that for you. So, um, and also, of course, and this is probably the most important piece, um, once you're using a password manager, there is no excuse not to have each and every site having its own password, right? That's the whole point. But sometimes we need passwords that we can't store in our password manager, or we need a password for our, let's say, our login account or the password manager itself. So how can we choose a password that is going to be hard for a computer to guess, but be easy to both memorize and type? For that, we have a technique called Diceware. Diceware isn't a piece of software. It's just a technique that we can use to generate highly random passwords that are hard for computers, but really easy for people. And the technique works like this. You take a list of words and you roll a random number. The number corresponds with the number uh, that, you know, so let's say you take a list of words, you number them from one to 7,000. So you have 7,000 unique words. You choose a random number and that number is the number that, uh, you know, you look up in the word list and you do that five or six times. Um, so you get a string of you know, five words. And in the example here, we have overstay, ravage, expel, tricycle, unsorted, right? Those words are unique um, and they're totally random. But a, and a computer will have a really hard time remembering that. But a human being, if you remember it enough, you can come up with a little story or mnemonic to remember those words. So there are many ways to to create these kind of dice word uh, passwords. But I find that apps online um, do this really great. A lot of password managers also help you with this. Um, so most of the ones that, I mean, even all of the ones that we talked about earlier support some kind of diceware um, password creation. And this is a great technique. This is a technique that I, I also use in my day-to-day -day life. So now we've covered Using a password, selecting a password manager, migrating to that password manager, and creating a, and creating passwords that we can use um, when we can't all just use our password manager. So, what can we do to really up our game? Well, let's let's dive a little deeper or get a little bit better, maybe higher, lower, I don't know. But 
let's let's just go one step further and talk about two-factor authentication, sometimes called 2FA. So the way this works is that we combine something you know, um, like your password, with something you have. And that's why it's called two-factor authentication. The first factor being your password, the other factor being something that you have. And there are many types of two-factor authentication. And you've most likely already encountered a form of this when a website will ask you for an authentication code, um, maybe that it sends you via text or it sends you via email when you try to log in. And um, while emails and texts are better than no form of two-factor authentication, texts are not perfect. Uh, it is possible to get access to the cell phone network, the SMS network, and, um, and grab those texts before they get to you. If, if an attacker already has access to your email, then you're really in trouble because they can now just go right through here and they've got, they've got your email that, that they're going to use to, to authenticate you. So that's no better than nothing. Um, and also, it is possible for attackers to use phishing and other attacks to get access to text messages. So I'm going to say that uh, two-factor with phone text uh, is better than not using two-factor authentication, but we can do better. And the first one that I want to talk about is RSA tokens. Um, and depending on how old you are, if you're old like me, you may have already used an RSA secure ID token. Um, this is something that was very common for large companies or government agencies um, at one time. So the way this works is that when you log into a service that's protected this way, you also need to type in the little code that appears on the screen. That code is called a one-time password. Uh, that code changes every, I don't remember now, I think it was every 30 seconds or something. And these were really popular, especially in the late 90s and early 2000s, but they have a number of limitations. Um, they are generally, um, you're, usually you're just given one of these, per organization. So, you know, you'd now have your RSA, uh, your RSA secure ID for one place. And if another place wanted you to have a secure ID, you'd have to have multiple of these on your keychain. Um, you know, they uh, were, uh, you, you know, organizations were hesitant to give an employee more than one of these. So you had to keep, you know, you had to keep your a hold of it. Um, if you lost your keys, you'd have to, you have to get them replaced. Um, they were not great. And these secure ID tokens have been generally phased out in favor of less expensive and more secure devices. Um, another technology that's kind of similar were smart cards. Smart cards were used for a time in, again, the 90s and 2000s. They too have been largely phased out. And I, and I want to mention those two, not because I think that they're something that you are going to use, but I think that smart cards and these RSA tokens make it really clear and obvious how this two-factor authentication thing is working. But let's talk about more modern techniques. So the first is um, app-based authenticators. And most people at this point have a smartphone. So the next logical step for organizations was to move people away from these physical hardware tokens um, and do it on a piece of hardware that everyone already had, meaning a smartphone. And one of the most common programs that people have used to do this 
is Google Authenticator. Um, and now Google Authenticator did start off its life as being open source, but it stopped being open source in 2013. Uh, another other examples of these programs are FreeOTP and Aegis. Uh, I personally recommend Aegis on Android and either FreeOTP or Google Authenticator on iOS. Uh, App-based authenticators of this type, software in-software authenticators are great in that they don't require any additional hardware and they are much safer than texts. But of course, phones can die and phones can be stolen. Um, in order to counteract this, most of the time when you register for an app-based authenticator, you're given a special code, and that special code is used to deactivate the phone from the from authentication. So it's used to revoke the phone, and we'll talk a little bit about revocation later. Um, when the app or site gives you that code, you're going to need to to write or print that code out and keep that somewhere safe. Uh, in addition to that, Aegis has an option to require a second password in order to open Aegis itself. Um, the other apps rely just on your phone's built-in lockouts. And those lockouts are actually pretty good, but I think having another layer is still even better. So what, what else is there? <laughs> well, there are hardware keys. And there's a lot of jargon in the area of authentication, especially hardware tokens. And I'm going to keep this discussion fairly light on technical details and really focus on the user experience of using what are called hardware tokens. Um, so for, these, for those people who can see the presentation, uh, I'm showing off several hardware tokens, all of which connect to a computer's USB drive. They look a lot like USB thumb drives that we usually use to store files, but they work very differently. And they're used to provide a type of authentication that can be either used on its own in conjunction or in conjunction with passwords to provide an extremely high level of security. <clears throat> so um, when is a key not a key? Well, the USB keys that we saw in the previous slide look a lot like, physically look a lot like keys that kind of would fit in your car or, or keys that might use, uh, sort of fit in a lock or they might use to open your car. Um, but the way they work is, is actually quite a bit different. So the way that these hardware tokens work is that you register the token, the hardware to a website. And when you want to log in, you'll put in your password and then you'll be asked to insert the key so the physical, sorry, when I say the key, I mean the physical hardware, you'll be asked to insert that into the computer and press a physical button on the USB token. And when you do that, the key itself talks to the website and then it, it authenticates you. And these differ from passwords in that the token, the hardware token is not copyable. You cannot clone one key to another, uh, key, you know, one of these hardware tokens to another hardware token. Instead, what you can do is you can actually register multiple keys to a website. So you can say, well, I want to be able to use a, you know, key A or uh, key, you know, B. Oops, I didn't, uh, didn't change slides here. So um, you can say, well, I want to use key A or key B, and um, it can, it can use either one of those. Uh, so one second, I've lost my my place here in my, uh, right. So yeah, I, I have little notes that I use to uh, keep myself on track. Uh, 
Um, yep. So uh, the most, uh, so if you lose a key, you can go into the website and you can revoke that key. And what revoking means is that you tell the website that the specific key is no longer allowed to be used on your behalf. So, you know, let's say that you're walking down the street and you've lost, you've lost your keys. Um, these keys can be, sorry, these tokens, you can just go to the website next time with your other token, log in and say, hey, that first one, that's no good anymore. Um, can't use it. So um, that's really great. And I think that's really an important distinction from how, for example, these, these new automated car keys work where you can clone the same key over and over. So, um, da, 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 these, uh, so these are called FIDO keys and most of them are designed to plug into a computer's USB port. Uh, some of them also support something called near field communication or NFC. NFC is what's used with payment systems such as Apple Pay or Android Pay. NFC has many benefits such as requiring that the, that the key, that the token be physically close to the computer but not require physical contact. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, it can be kind of a pain to take out your keychain, plug your key into the computer and have all your keys kind of hanging down. So if you're using NFC, you don't have to have that. Um, the keys themselves, sorry, the hardware tokens themselves, I'm, I'm calling them keys, but they're really hardware tokens, are also for the most part tamper resistant. Some of them even have mechanisms to self-destruct if somebody physically tampers with them. So, oops. Um, other, other features, um, well, so, right, so we're calling these FIDO keys. Uh, FIDO is incredibly easy to use, and its main use um, right now are these uh, websites that you can use to log in, but many of these keys also have other features that you may or may not be interested in, depending on how technical you are. Several of, them, several of them let you enter a password on the key itself. So when used this way and you enter the password this way, the, the hardware token acts like a little keyboard and enters a password for you. Um, again, if you're really technical, these keys can also store PGP keys. Um, I'm not gonna get real deep into PGP. It's a topic onto itself but it's a system that can be used to encrypt messages. And the nice thing is that the encryption happens directly on the hardware token, not on the computer, um, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, you can also use these things for SSH authentication, which is again, great for developers, um, which, and it, it can be used to do things like signing code and all kinds of other great things. Um, but I don't think we're gonna go too far into that. I mean, if, if people have questions, we can, we can discuss that in the question and answer time. So uh, where do you get these keys uh, or are these, these hardware tokens? Um, at the point uh, that I'm recording this, there are multiple manufacturers of these keys. Uh, the most well-known of the companies that make these things is called Yubico, and they make a product line called YubiKey. <laughs> Yubico has been instrumental in developing this standard, the specification for um, what's called FIDO2, which is the, the mechanism by which all this authentication stuff happens. And their products are considered extremely well-made. But there are other companies, uh, SoloKeys, OnlyKey, and NitroKey all make open source uh, hardware tokens as well. And that's nice because those keys are auditable. 
Um, and that's a, that's a good thing. And I, I personally own YubiKey, SoloKey, and NitroKeys. So I, I own uh, three out of these five uh, personally, and they, and they all work pretty much just the same. In addition to these other companies, uh, Google has also gotten into this business and they make a product called the Titan. Uh, and they call them Titan keys. Um, the keys that do FIDO, which is the specification, the, the way to let you do authentication, um, they're selling for about 20 US dollars. Um, the keys that support an NFC, the near field communication, they're slightly more. They're usually around 25 to $30. Um, the other hardware tokens that support those additional features, um, they also exist. They're mostly used by um, either really technical geeks or governmental agencies or big companies that need strong authentication. Uh, unless you're in an environment like that, you do not need one of these, but um, those fancy hardware tokens can cost up to $50, $50 American each. So I'm not going to say that these devices are cheap, but they do provide a great deal of protection and you really only need one or two of these keys to be safe. So how do you choose one of these keys? Well, I think there are a number of considerations to make when choosing a hardware token. The main ones uh, I think are going to be choosing the one with the right connectors. So um, I think most or all of the keys that we've talked about, these hardware tokens, they use USB. Um, some of them use uh, regular USB or what's called USB-A, and that's what we're mostly used to. Um, some of them also support, or instead of USB-A, they support USB-C, which is used in more modern phones and laptops. Uh, we talked about NFC several times. Um, if you're looking for something that will work with your mobile phone, you'll want to look for NFC compatibility. Uh, I think most of the FIDO keys at this point do support NFC. Um, and if you're choosing between a device that does or doesn't have it, I suggest that you get the one with, um, even if you're using a regular computer, because with an NFC reader, like a, U a USB NFC reader for your desktop, you don't need to physically plug the key in. And NFC readers for PCs can be found for around $40 American online. So, and a, so I think those are well worth it. Um, an alternative, yeah, so we talked about that. You'll also want to consider whether or not to use the smaller form factor keys. Um, those small ones can be left in the computer on a semi-permanent basis. So instead of having to plug it in as soon as you want to use it, you can just leave it plugged in. Um, the upside is that they're small and you can just leave them plugged in, but the downside is that they're small and they're easier to lose. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's something you'll have to decide for yourself what makes sense. Um, and I personally don't recommend them because they're so small that you do leave them in the computer and then you don't keep them on your keychain, which means that if your computer gets lost or stolen, the, the key is now in the computer anyway. So um, you haven't really gained any, any advantage. So let's start to wrap up and let's talk just really briefly about biometrics, um, which is something that you probably, you may have noticed that I didn't talk about at all. So you know, what about fingerprints or using your face to unlock your device? Um, biometrics are really convenient, but they're so easy to steal and fake, right? You just take a picture of someone and now you have a picture. 
Um, I really don't recommend that you use them as authentication mechanisms. I think they might be good identification mechanisms. So instead of typing in a, in your username, you might show your face or put your um, finger down on a, on a reader to fingerprint reader. But I think you should then need a, a password or something else on top of the biometrics. So here we are at the end and my summary. <laughs> That's about it. So let's summarize. Start off by using a password manager. We went over a bunch of them. Um, but the important thing is finding one that you like and sticking with it. Um, for passwords that you can't store in the password manager or that you need to type manually, use Diceware to generate secure passwords. And for any place that supports it, use two-factor authentication. And when possible, use hardware tokens. And that, I think, is my fastest uh, a presentation yet. And now it is a word from our sponsor. I'm going to take a small drink of water and then I will do a dating kinky pitch and then we will have questions. So give me a moment to, to have a small sip of water. All right. Now it's a nice refreshing sip. So let's talk about dating kinky. Our, our amazing sponsor for this series. Oops. Here's the thing. If you're attending this talk or listening to my voice, you're interested in kink. You're interested in the values around kink, including your privacy. And you're interested in learning. And I think that learning and kink are sexy things. Um, and they're values that I personally hold very dear. And here we are with a website that is all about dating. It's all about kink and it's all about learning. And that is as good a reason as any to join Dating Kinky's Plus membership for, I think, and Ryan can come here and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think at the time of recording, it's $10 a month. So for only $10 a month, you're going to get access to all kinds of webinars of about all kinds of kink, get hear from experts in multiple different fields of kink, um, and get access to articles and books, and of course, support um, and, and, and other features, and of course, have access to uh, the, of course, the regular dating kinky platform where you can find other kinky, awesome people to do the awesome things with. So I, I cannot imagine why someone who is listening to this or participating in this wouldn't, uh, unless, you know, of course, unless you're in a really bad place, you know, take some of that time and money and put it somewhere great, like, uh, like, um, Dating Kinky Plus. I think that is a, a, oh, it's $5 a month and it goes up in, well, as of recording on February 15th, which is nine days from now. So if you are listening to this before February 15th, now is the time to join while it is only $5 a month and it will go up to $10 a month. This is an incredible steal. So take advantage of this nine days that, uh, you have if you're listening to this live and get your uh, Dating Kinky Plus membership now. 
Brian, have I missed something? Hey, Veer. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just I was going to jump in that uh, we since we last talked to you, Veer, we had a payment processor issue that basically we Cookie was trying to raise it and was was unable to. But I think what she's going to do is keep the existing deal through our uh, February events. Uh, that's uh, our weekend event of um, the, let's see, kinky dating something something and love blah 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 events. I think I got that exact cadence right. So. Um, uh, you know, uh, so we're going to keep the existing deal through that weekend, uh, which is happening from the 12th to the 14th. I just put that information in. And then uh, that will be the absolute, like, last train, uh, last train to Hammersmith. I think that was the song name. But, um, yeah, so that, that will be the last train uh, to get the $5 in perpetuity uh, for those that become a member and remain a member. So the absolute best deal you'll ever get from us uh, is expiring in nine days. So, uh, and yeah, as Vera was uh, getting at, you get the, um, uh, you get all of the webinar replays, you get all of the books, you get uh, our Dating Kiki app, which we have a uh, new developer on board and we're bringing that towards uh, its uh, resolution and approval by the, um, you know, the needed, uh, <laughs> needed slash dreaded uh, Apple and Android uh, review periods. Um, and we will have, uh, for people that are familiar with our uh, in new interactive chat community, uh, AirMeet, that will be also exclusive to our Plus members. Um, let's see, who who are our Plus members uh, in here? I thought, we have a bunch of them, actually. I see Fitness, I see AP, I see Miss Lynn, I see Miss D. I said, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real, it's a, it's a grand gathering. I, I think Sequentialize is also one, Tiffany. Yeah, so it's, it's all, all of the, all of the regulars are here. Uh, so if you're not a regular and you want to consider becoming a regular, uh, hopefully you can listen to the endorsements of these fine folks. And if it's something that you uh, are interested in and uh, want to continue to kind of dive into your kink education and connections, then please, uh, yes, do give us a, a look. Uh, the instigator says to sign up ASAP. Thank you, AP. Uh, and yes, thank, thanks. To, and, and yes, Dura, you're, that's right. You're, you're one too. Okay, well, we... A lot of you guys represented. You know, we, we almost need to. We're, we're almost too. Uh, we're almost too clustered here. Now we need to fan out and go forth and conquer. You know, and uh, and just uh, let everybody else be heard. Paradox. Okay, awesome. I, I, I'm sorry I didn't recognize your handle, but thank you very much. Um. Okay, so we have a bunch of questions here, as, as is our usual for a. Uh, if you're, if you're Koto, so exciting. Koto. Yes. So, so can you read them out, and I will, yes, and I, I will, I will get to you. Yep. Awesome. I will grab them. Uh, let me just my order here. And uh, that's one. Th that's another thing I think about the um, the AirMeet environment is it, like you see in uh, you know Zoom and some other places. Although we have obviously our reasons not for doing Zoom here, um, that it will separate out the more the conversational chat from the uh, the questions for the presenters or moderators. So that would be another nice feature of the new platform. All right, uh, Tiffany asks. Uh, when Veer, when Veer, uh, what did Veer mean by the company that was hacked keeping passwords in the clear? Did he mean in the cloud? Sorry, so that is a, a little bit of a technical uh, term. Uh, there, there are different ways to store passwords if you're a company. One way is that you just store the password, like 
if you can kind of imagine writing it down in a book, right? Except that book is a file on a computer. Um, and then the other way is that you don't actually store the password, but you store a, a uh, trying to think of how we explain this, a, a computer algorithm uh, that when you type in the password is generated. So, um, so if an attacker gets access to a website, they will, they won't actually get the passwords. What they'll get is something that um, is something that that is harder to use. Um, but a lot of developers and companies are lazy, and they just basically store them in a big uh, regular text file. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay, Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany. Then said, "How do we know if, we, if if they keep our passwords in the clear?" Was that you don't. You yeah, don't know. Okay. I, I, I wish I wish that could be like, yes, these, but you, you don't. You just don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, APS, uh, password manager, what about non-electronic password books? Uh, so like keeping it in a little notebook that you keep with you all the time? Yeah, AP, feel free to uh, offer clarification of that. Um, I guess, yeah, I don't know if she means physical or just something like non-systemic. You know, I think we'll, we'll want clarification there and then we'll return. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, all right. Florida Cut Couple asks, uh, I have a question What uh, for later, I guess, it's like during the presentation. What exactly are tokens? So, you know what? I'm going to answer AP's question first and then okay. we'll and then we'll get into. Oh, yeah. Uh, physical book. Oh, so yeah. so okay. when AP asks about a physical book, so here's here's. Um, let's start with, is it better than using the same password everywhere? The answer is yes. The problem with a physical book, and there are a few. So the first is that uh, if someone steals your physical book, now they have all your passwords. And the, these password managers, they, they encrypt the passwords. So even if someone were to steal your computer, um, they'd have to decrypt or access your password manager. So that makes it a heck of a lot safer. That's the first thing. The second thing is that with a book, you're still going to have to generate those passwords and um, you're still going to have to type all those passwords in manually. So one of these password managers is going to take over not only keeping them, but also essentially doing the job of typing them in, which means that you're going to be able to do much longer far safer passwords, right? So passwords that are 64 characters long and have lots of crazy symbols and, you know, lots of letters and numbers. And, um, you know, otherwise, if you're doing it in a book, you're going to have to type each one of those in, which makes it much more prone to making a mistake. It's actually much slower. You're going to have to keep that book with you all the time. And then what happens when you, well, you have to look up the passwords. And as, a, as I pointed out in one of the earlier slides, um, we have, on average, 90 accounts. Well, that's a lot to look through. Um, and then if you want to update those passwords, um, you know, you have to now create a whole system around updating passwords in your little book. Uh, this becomes a real pain. So is it better than reusing? Yes, absolutely. But I, I just, I think that the uh, administrative overhead of keeping one of these books um, makes it, at least for me, personally a non-starter and then of course again the risk of it getting lost or stolen um you've got no backup and no way to back it up so you know this this book you know it's basically your whole life right there that's pretty scary to me so 
we, I think the next question was about what do I mean by a hardware token? And that's just a, you know, I, I realize these terms um, like key and token are, are really um, geeky and jargony. So um, I, I really like the imagery and a lot of these companies call their products keys. Um, and it's a, it's a tricky thing. Should I call them? And I was thinking like, should I call them keys? Should I call them tokens? Um, let's just, I think it's easier just to think about these hardware things as a form of key. So you just the same way you have a key to your house, um, or a key to your car, you have these things that are just keys. Um, they don't work the same way as keys to your house or car, but, uh, conceptually you can think of them as working similarly in that you need to have them with you when you're accessing one of your accounts. Does that, I hope that answers the question. And if not, I'm sure Ryan will catch it um, on the next go round. Okay. Um, so this was a question that was raised by AP and I think me kind of answer, but I'll just bring it to you as well. Uh, did you notice that Bitwarden didn't have any listed cons? I think that was around like slide like 13 or so. Uh, maybe just yeah, I couldn't think of any. Back to that one. Okay, I really, I, I really, I couldn't think of any reasons not to use it. Um, you know, I, I wanted I'll to find I'll some, just, but I couldn't. I'll just navigate back to the, just to refresh people's memory. I think it was this one. No, uh, it's the next one. Yeah, I went. Uh, I went next, I, there you go. Here we go. Here we go. So, and uh, like I said, we will uh, we will attach this deck to the uh, the episode replay. So. You know, people want to do some, you know, more kind of uh, deliberation, comparison shopping between the different options. Uh, you know, you can uh, you can reference this uh, at your leisure. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't know you did that. Oh yeah, yeah, we yeah we we, we incorporate yeah it's the video it, and then we convert the video to an audio so people can listen to it as a podcast and then we also include uh, the, the slide deck, the awesome. slide deck and and the chat transcript just in case oh, you know because nice. sometimes people you know people hear like they might. And who was that person I was talking to? That sort of thing, and then like, because we yeah. we encourage everybody who wants to kind of maybe share a FetLife handle or you know a place they can can be reached. You know, feel free to go ahead and do that in chat. But you know, it, it, there is the option of like if you if you did miss somebody and or you know that or or some line you know exchange in chat that you want to reference back, you can. Okay, uh, next one. Um, Okay, I think AP wants further clarification on have I been pwned? Uh, like, what is it? What does that mean? Yes, sure. No options? It's a website which um, what they do is they go onto all of the forums uh, where people who steal passwords and trade stolen passwords go and they collect the same, uh, the same information. But what they do is they don't use it for, for nefarious purposes. They collect the email addresses and then you can look up your email address and to see if it was, if it was one of the addresses that was leaked in one of these leaks. So what you do is they don't, they don't provide a list. You just have, you type in your email address and it says, Oh, you've been, you've been part of this leak and that leak and the other leak. Um, and um, that's very useful because it'll tell you like, Oh, I've, <laughs> my account on my bank was, uh, you know, you know, my, maybe, maybe my bank was broken into or maybe my other institution or, oh no, they got into this account and I know 
personally that I use the same password on this as, as I do on my email account, for example, which you shouldn't do. Um, and then you know that you know you're in trouble, and you should immediately uh, change both the password on that the website that was broken into, but also if you use that same password anywhere else or anywhere, you can uh, you can know that that's what you should do. I hope I hope that answers the question. And if not, um, I'm happy to give more information. But you can just go to I think it's let's see here. Uh, you can go to haveibeenpwned.com and try it out yourself. It looks like in the most recent chat, you might be like following up with like what steps if you did show up on the pwn list. So if you show up on that list, uh, look at what um, look at what accounts were compromised, what accounts were broken into, change those accounts passwords immediately, um, and then you know if you are still reusing passwords anywhere that you use that same password, you should immediately change the passwords on all those those sites. You know, keep, consider that your highest priority. Makes sense. Uh, all right. AP follows up, and there's another AP and me exchange. What happens if you lose access to password manager? Uh, then you're in big trouble. So what I recommend for your password manager is that you use this diceware technique um, that I have mentioned, um, and I know it's going to sound a little scary, but I actually do recommend printing that password out, keeping it somewhere in your home, and having that, like having a copy of that password, um, because that is going to be the key, the key to everything. Um, and yeah, that that's that's the biggest the biggest fear on these systems is losing your password to your password manager. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, JNL, uh, what to do with two-factor authentication if you lost your phone or if you lose other devices? So, yeah. So if you're using the app-based ones, um, what they'll do is they'll give you a – usually they give you a little code when you um, when you set up your authentication. It's, it's, it's a, basically a string of numbers. It's just a, a, like a long number essentially. Um, or a long code, it'll, you know, be OF1286, you know, E, you know, blah, blah, blah. You'll need to, to print that code out and keep that somewhere secure. Because if you lose your phone or you can't get back in, that's that's the code that you can use to sort of either, either log in anyway, depending on the site, either log in with that one-time code or conversely, um, it, it's the code that you can use to revoke your um, phone's access, um, and it depends on the site which which one it will do. But you know that's almost always what happens when you set up one of these, is that you get a little uh, code to be able to go in it otherwise, and then you, and then you'll need to keep that piece of paper safe, right? Keep it in your home. Don't take it. You know, don't take it with you, um, etc. Okay. Um... Florida couple, again, uh, when you talk about not reusing passwords, that means every site should have a totally different password. Completely, correct? absolutely, 100% different password. And that's the safest way. So if someone, you know, let's say someone gets your, your, you know, your account somewhere. I don't know. Let's, let's just imagine somebody gets your FetLife account. 
Um, and we don't even, there doesn't even need to be a break in from FetLife. Maybe just someone looks over your shoulder while you're typing it in, right? So they get, they get access to that account. And, you know, imagine that that is the same password that you use for your email. Well, now they have access to your email. And once they have access to your email, they have access to anything where you used your email to register from. So now you're in big, big trouble. So uh, simple, easy with a password manager, it's trivial for every site to have a different password. And you should do that. Okay, and then the last question I have so far, uh, so what I'll do is we'll do this last question. I'll do some coming attractions and then we'll do kind of do a last round, last call. Sounds great. Uh, so Nana Lagnius asks, uh, do you recommend hardware tokens over app-based 2FA? I guess is a binary yeah. choice. Um, I mean, yeah, so my personal recommendation is that I think the hardware tokens are easier to use. So, and so with a two-factor authentication app, what you have to do is you have to open up the app. You have a little code. It looks actually looks a heck of a lot like um, that code from that secure ID RSA thing where you have to type in some numbers in the computer. Those numbers change every 30 seconds and you have to race or erase the clock to type them in um, versus putting in your password, putting in a key. It says, you know, the, the website or whatever will say, insert your key now, you insert the key, and it'll say, press the button now, you press the button, um, and it's a heck of, it's still a heck of a lot more secure. Um, so those are way, way easier to use, and they're extremely secure to, to uh, as well. Okay, Kitty, yeah, Kitty Kitty was asking for the, yep. this slide, so yeah. I, yeah. And I, I would say that, you know, for Kitty, uh, which is the which are my preferred password managers? I would actually say Bitwarden, Firefox, and KeePass XC. Um, Passbolt if you're um, for a job for work. And I put them in chat. So if you want to copy and paste somewhere else, you know, feel free to do that. Okay, I am going to read out some coming attractions. If anyone has any more questions, feel free to get them in. Uh, otherwise, we'll start to wind down probably in the next uh, five minutes or so. So uh, this is, uh, yeah, the February edition of Keeping Secrets that you've um, just been through. First of all, everybody give Veer a big uh, round of applause for another wonderful uh, hour uh, with all this information and research he's doing. and uh, and conveying, uh, you know, such a kind of digestible and, and you know, streamlined matter. It's, it's a great service. So, um, and his next episode will be exactly one month from now on March 4th. Uh, the title, we, we collectively came up with this title. Uh, I, I've christened it Browsing Through Browsers. Uh, Vera, you want to tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing in March? Sorry, I was muted. Uh, yeah, so we... Um, so we talked, uh, I think it was last month, but boy, these, these are going by so fast, um, about different browsers. And people were saying, well, what do you think about this browser? What do you think about that browser? Um, and how do you compare browsers? So I said, okay, let's do it. Let's compare browsers. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna be trying out different browsers um, in this interim period. I'm gonna be researching um, the different browsers, where they come from. Um, if they have a company behind them, what their what their business model is, um, you know, 
some some more detail. I'm going to try to synthesize. I'm going to collect all this information. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to synthesize it for you all, and I'm going to give you, everybody, all my wonderful participants and listeners, uh, my collected information, and you can make informed choices um, for yourself based on um, what I um, have have uh, collected and brought to you. Awesome. Yeah. So that's coming up. March 4th at uh, 8 p.m. Yeah, because it's a yeah, 28 day month. So, yeah, it'll be exact, exactly uh, same date, same time. Uh, okay. And that's the last weekday event of the month. We're off tomorrow. But of course, I said weekday event of, oh, sorry, weekday event of the week. Uh, screwed up the segue. All right. Uh, but because the reason I said last weekday event is because we're going to have a special Saturday episode of kinky book club and we have an amazing guest for i think there's some people who are like in the know you know who are here i'm sure people might be familiar with the uh the awesome woman who goes by the moniker the kink shrink uh she is an amazing uh she's a kink friendly psychologist she's a writer uh and um uh just a wonderful conversationist and kim uh slash ng cole will be uh talking with her uh, Saturday, and it'll be since she's a UK guest, we'll be uh, selecting a kind of a, a friendly time slot for our UK and European uh, and you know that part of the hemisphere friends. Uh, 8 p.m. Uh, yeah, UK uh, UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern US time. So um, yes, uh, we'll be back here uh, in in a day and a half, basically. So yeah, that closes. That will close out the week. Oh. What, what am I talking about? We have another event on, on Sunday. Some of you people, do we have any sports ball fans here? Because we are going to be hosting the Super Bowl in our interactive chat community. And uh, we're teaming up with the wonderful uh, Lola Smiles. And uh, she runs the uh, SEK group out there in um, in the Long Island borough. And they uh, do all these kinds of awesome virtual, uh, virtual events uh, in their space. And we're going we're gonna to team up uh, in our space. She's going to bring her people. We're going to bring our people, That those other third-party people that are, are also welcome. And then uh, we'll watch the game. We'll you know talk halftime show. I think we even have different tables with some of the different like you know topics. And I'm sure there'll be people like, I don't care what's going on in any part of the Super Bowl. And you guys can have your own uh, <laughs> your group. So uh, we'll be doing that. Yeah. And Dre, there will be, yeah, we'll do commercials, you know, too. Yeah. So we'll have, you know, we'll have the foodie people. Yeah. We'll have the, everybody, we'll have all the demographics represented. Um, so yeah, that, that's Saturday. I think that's usually, Super Bowl is usually a 6.30 uh, p.m. Eastern, U.S. Eastern time um, start. So that's when we'll get started. We'll go, you know, at least till midnight or so, you know, it'll probably go, it'll probably go as long as people are having fun. So, um, and that's for people who have been to our uh, interactive chat community, which uh, is going to be a big part of our uh, 2021 uh, because, you know, it's, uh, we were super fond of it and it's been super well received. And I just put in the YouTube link to the walkthrough to how to create an account uh, to then attend uh, that on Sunday or some other events uh, coming up. So, and then the following week, I'll just uh, touch on these really quick. Uh, Monday, because that'll be kind of the next like normal kind of like weekday show. We're going to be uh, our host Hardy Brooklyn of his um, Consent and Boundaries webinar is going to be interviewing an adult film star. 
So uh, yeah, so that'll be an interesting uh, conversation. Uh, yeah, discussion of boundaries as an adult entertainer. That's uh, yeah, so we'll have kind of lots of uh, potential kind of just eavesdropping on something we're all not familiar with, but I'm sure there's plenty of applicable lessons uh, in his day to day. So um, that'll be Monday nights. And then uh, Nookie and I will be off until Friday, but what a big weekend it'll be. First of all, Friday will be uh, Femdom Friday. We have a terrific guest for that too. Uh, we have a pro and lifestyle dom, uh, Goddess Lilith, who is uh, going to be talking about one of her specialties. Uh, we've christened it How I Tease and Torment as a Foot Goddess. So I think she is uh, well accoladed and traveled in that respect. So that'll be Friday night, but then all Friday weekend, and I already put this in there earlier, is our weekend blowouts on um, topics related to dating, love, and relationships. And we're going to have, on Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have uh, uh, classes and panels. Uh, Nookie's going to be doing a four-hour thing, two hours Saturday morning, two hours Sunday morning. She's calling in her uh, you know, signature burrito, defuckify your dating. Um, yeah, so all about kind of like getting you know, rid of the uh, unnecessary things to then, you know, kind of, uh, then build back up and with renewal and the timing couldn't be finer for that with the, you know, people kind of cooped up with the, the quarantine and probably ready to get back out there. You know, those of you who are not, uh, you know, cohabitating or, you know, have your full polycules, you know, and the like. Um, so that'll be all weekend, uh, the 12th through the 14th, Friday through Saturday. Well, Sunday we'll also have, uh, in addition to the classes, something new this time with that interactive chat community I mentioned, we're also going to have like things like mixers and, uh, maybe even some like speed dating and speed connecting rounds. So lots of, it's going to be the most like socializing uh, version of the weekend events we've had with this new platform has the capabilities where maybe we, and if you've been there, it's basically, it's like an online convention set up where there's an auditorium, like kind of like we are here, but then there's also a lounge where you can just like in between events or like, I'm not, you know, super interested in that particular event. I'm waiting for one in an hour. Like then you just go and hang out and talk to other you know, uh, kinksters or people who are also attending. So pretty cool. Um, and yes, Miss Lynn, thank you for, yeah, the, uh, the events page for our non-fed life people has uh, all of our upcoming events. Um, uh, so, well, at least, or all that I've already put on there, you know, so that, that, that hamster wheel continues of, uh, I think I just put some more in last night to kind of get as most of February in there and all the, Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. Responding to Hey Donis's question. Thank you very much. Um, okay. So that's oh, what's coming up. Go ahead, Veer. Well, I was going to say for, for my own and cause I'm going to put in a personal plug, um, for anyone that listens to the kinky cocktail hour, um, I will be doing, and, um, I'm not sure when they'll be releasing it, but next week I will be recording an episode, um, with them on the topic of erotic hypnosis. Um, it is unusual for me to, at this point, I don't think I've done any online anything talking about uh, actual kink, uh, you know, actual kinky activity. Rather, I've been talking about things like security and privacy and and neurodiversity, but this will be a, a welcome change. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't taught uh, kink in quite a while, so this will be a nice change. So if you want to hear me actually talking about fun, exciting, kinky stuff, um, look, be look on the lookout for uh, that episode of the Kinky Cocktail Hour. Veer, you're gonna be like, it's gonna be like um, when people you know who go to like dungeons and things like that and are regulars, they're like, 
oh my god, it's the guy who's he's always the dungeon, he's always the DM at every event. He's actually like playing this time. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's what that's what it's giving like. Yeah, I, that's what you, I, you know. I do. I miss I miss going to events and like like one of I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name this person, but they're a a well known rope person um, in in the scene um, in New York. And I was at a, a an event. It was actually a test fest, and I spent at least 20 or 30 minutes talking with this like rope master, you know, Shibari rigor master, but we were actually just talking about uh, board games mm-hmm. and I, you know, but I, but I also appreciate the inverse of that, which is the person who never talks about kink, which is me uh, in the topic of actual kink came to actually talk about um, um, erotic hypnosis and mind control, which are, two of my biggest uh kinks so yeah yeah i i hear what you're saying though it's like it's weird when you see someone in outside of the norm their normal role or context or you know um, habitats yeah yeah but uh no well yeah everybody uh definitely uh gets and it's is that the um podcast and a lot of the dating kinky family has been uh guests on that podcast including uh d20 dumb and uh Oh, Fitness was in here earlier. She's been a guest, and uh, Nookie's been a guest, and uh, I think uh, Catsuit's been a guest, I believe. So, yeah, and NJ Cole. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of crossover there. Uh, AP, I will let me give me ten seconds. I'll, I think this is like my. Do I have I clicked on them long enough to like where it's still up in my like auto like fill? Uh, but we haven't no. recorded it yet, AP. So, um, oh, it uh, is okay. Yeah. Okay. So, well, at least not mine. But you can hear a previous episode that I was in. But of course, in, in, on all the other awesome guests um, from Dating Kinky and elsewhere. That oh, um, and um, and I also put up so uh, all of our Fat Life. Everybody, Apple's Apple's Speed, drop your Fat Life link if you want to connect with anybody after the show. Uh, Veers, I put up Veers and his uh, Fat Life group for privacy conscious <laughs> kinksters. Me also put that up earlier, but uh, that's a terrific group. Groups who kind of have ongoing uh, conversations about topics like these, uh, you know, while you're perhaps waiting for, you know, the next presentation over here, that's a good community to join. Um, but I think that's, I think that's everything. All, yeah. We've covered all, quite a lot. All, all, all the news that's fit for talk, I guess, you know, you know, without yeah. the, uh, the newspaper analogy, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know. If, yeah. Uh, Miss Lynn was nice enough to cover. Hey, Donis's question. I don't believe I have any other questions. So, okay. Uh, once again, I'm very thank Veer for a wonderful, uh, hour and change here oh, and we thank will you see all for back being on here march yeah. 4th i'm gonna hit stop on the recording